Hello everyone and welcome back to the Streaming Science Podcast. Streaming Science is a student-driven program that works to connect you with scientists to learn how science impacts all of us and our everyday lives. I'm Carissa Palmer, a fourth-year agricultural education and communication major at the University of Florida and your hostess for this episode. You're currently listening to an episode from our most recent series titled The State of the Scientific Enterprise During COVID-19, made in partnership with the UF-IFAS Research Dean's Office and the College of Agricultural and Life Sciences. In this series, we explore the stories of scientists and their students about how COVID-19 has impacted their professional and personal lives. Over the past year, scientists and their graduate students had to make some tough decisions about how to modify research practices and how to reopen research spaces safely. In the following interview, I spoke with Dr. Krista Court, an assistant professor of regional economics and director economic impact analysis. We discussed how her research focus has shifted toward COVID-19 economic impacts and also the challenges of working from home alongside her children. With many Americans interested and also worried about the economy, we ended our discussion with thoughts on the future. Through this podcast, I hope you gain insight into Dr. Court's research, COVID-19 impacts on her research, and an overall sense of how scientists are moving forward to keep the scientific enterprise up and running during a global pandemic. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this intriguing yet educational discussion with Dr. Krista Court. So I'd like to start off by saying thank you so much, Dr. Court, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me. I really look forward to the discussion that we're about to have and hearing a little bit more about you and your research during COVID-19. If you wouldn't mind starting with telling me a little bit about your background and how you got into economics at UF. Sure. Um, So my background is actually I spent my whole life planning to become a marine biologist. So it's a little bit of a, a long story, but I'll, I'll keep it short. The, I went to a Middle Tennessee State University and got a little bit bored in the laboratory, I would say, on, on my way to that marine biology degree and took a course in economics um, with a professor that ended up describing it as a, a way of thinking as opposed to a thing that you do um, and that you could apply it to anything so that I wouldn't get bored. Uh, I could always just switch topics if I wanted to. Um, so I ended up switching my major uh, in my third year of undergrad and going to grad school at West Virginia University. Um, I took a job as a research economist, actually, with the Department of Energy after that and spent um, four years as a contract economist there at the National Energy Technology Laboratory. And uh, again, I got a little bit bored of uh, focusing only on energy and, and doing the same thing day in and day out and came back to academia um, with a position at UF. And I'm, I'm much happier, can spread, spread the topics around, study a little bit of everything. And it's been a good, a good four years. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. Sometimes uh, I was an animal science major and then switched into communication. So um, I was like, "Eh, animal science isn't for me. So I definitely can agree with you and switching um, different things. So I know you have been studying economic impacts of COVID-19 on food and agricultural systems. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So we have a... um a program within a program. We have a disaster impact analysis program within the economic impact analysis program that I direct. And, you know, we were approached very early on in the pandemic, 
you know, typically we're assessing the impacts of things like hurricanes or freeze events on um, the agricultural system here in Florida, but you know, the pandemic was a little bit different. And I initially declined and said, there's not much we can do. This is a, uh, you know, an unprecedented situation. It's completely different than the types of natural disasters that we're used to dealing with. And, you know, I just don't know where to start. Um, but it, when it became obvious that, you know, things were shutting down and this was a much larger event than expected, we, we felt like we had to do something. So we, we sort of switched the tools that we use um, for one of these, what I, I might call a, a supply side disaster, you know, that has uh, impacted production or, or what was able to be produced to um, looking at the effects of this demand side shock, you know, things like the um, food establishments, restaurants were shut down and, you know, we just wanted to see what was happening to producers. Um, and, you know, we ended up finding that for Florida, because of the timing, things shut down right when it was the big fruit and vegetable production season in South Florida. Um, so it ended up being an event sort of on scale with some of these major hurricanes that we've experienced in the last 10 years. Well, yeah, I guess I've never really thought about that, like COVID-19 and how the timing of that, I've never thought about that. That's really interesting, actually. So how have you collected data? What kind of tools have you used? Yeah, so we typically use um, surveys. And, and the reason that we use those is because we don't have a good source of publicly available data, especially that's available very quickly after a storm. So typically, or, or an event, typically after a something like a hurricane, people are asking me for what's that number, you know, what's that impact within about 24 hours? Not, I don't have uh, 18 months to wait on data to come out. Um, and a lot of these data at the, the fine scale that we're looking for, for a particular commodity or a particular industry are not available um, at all, even if we were to be able to wait. So we rely on our stakeholders um, to report that information. And then um, we use the information from surveys along with some baseline data that we do have about what is typically produced um, in a year in order to assess those numbers. Awesome. And what is your targeted audience for your research? Um, I would say it's decision makers, not, not necessarily at any particular scale. So we provide information at the local level. Um, to county offices, um, for regional planning councils occasionally, and also at the state level and the federal level. So typically, if if these numbers are used in something like a disaster relief um, discussions, then they'll go all the way to Washington, D.C. But I, I think, you know, my my audience or, you know, my extension programming is is mostly targeted towards decision makers. Yeah, and that would make most sense since they make decisions. So uh, um, what can Americans do to better minimize the impacts on the economy during a crisis like this? Um, I think planning and preparation, right? I mean, a lot of what we've seen um, for the pandemic was that you know, we, we weren't prepared for it to come. A, a lot of what we hear in all industries, not just in the food system, is that we we became too efficient and not resilient enough. So we weren't necessarily prepared for an acute event like this. Um, so I would say just just planning ahead, you know, having p 
preparations in place for if this was happened as an individual or a household, just as you would for a business. Um, I think, you know, we often hear in the news media about how certain households don't have any savings or don't have, um, you know, emergency planning in place. And I think that those we talk about households, but those are also true for businesses. Right. So I, I think just risk management strategies and preparation are are key and that's what we've seen through this pandemic the the places that were able to sort of switch or be flexible or had um, plans in place for continuity of operations during a major disaster have have weathered this pandemic okay i mean no i don't think there's many people that would say oh it was great that we went through this um some operations in in our surveys did do better because people were looking for alternative sources of um, things like food when they saw grocery shelves empty. But uh, yeah, I would just say risk management, thinking about that on an individual level, but especially at a business level too. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. Um, what does the future of your research look like? Are you going to continue um, conducting surveys? Yeah, so we've got one going right now, um, sort of follow up, but also to collect more information than we collected the first time. So we're really asking about what happened during the entire year, because our initial efforts were sort of focused in that March to mid-May period. Um, So we wouldn't have picked up things like, you know, later fall season crops or um, things that happened once the restaurants and the everything started to open back up a little bit or we started what is our new normal for now um so i you know we're we're collecting that information now but i don't think i i often describe this as decades worth of research right at an unprecedented event like this we're we're still studying the deep water horizon oil spill you know more than 10 years after that happened so i am sure that the pandemic itself can provide a career's worth of research not that I want to take up all of that myself, but um, yeah, I think there's plenty to do and and we will certainly still be working in that disaster impact area for quite a long time. I think you brought up a good point in um, my next question. So as someone who is familiar with studying crisis, have have you enjoyed this new unique pandemic or do you prefer other research areas? Um, I I don't know if I would say I enjoy so I enjoy it for maybe a different reason than you think, right? I, I don't I don't enjoy disasters happening so that I can research them, but what I do enjoy is trying to help provide solutions for the next one, right? Um so the reason that we hopped in, I mentioned that initially I was hesitant about assessing the pandemic, but the reason that we hopped in was it felt like we had to do something. Um and it was clear that things were, you know, you heard things like the supply chain was breaking down. I don't think they broke down, but we saw where the inefficiencies were and we saw where the bottlenecks were. Um, and by seeing those, we can try to avoid having that happen in the future. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, with with decision makers being your stakeholders, I, I think that anything we can do to provide data and insights so that we are more resilient to disasters in the future is what excites me about staying in the area. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. And 
definitely has been an interesting year for research, for sure. And during our previous discussion, uh, you mentioned how it has been challenging for many researchers to keep up um, with research during this pandemic and, you know, other, you know, crisis or whatever. Um, Would you explain what you mean by this? Yeah, so I I think, you know, people think about things they did in their work lives or their social lives shutting down, but also that work life of research for a lot of people was shut down as well because of things like social distancing or physical distancing. So myself working on the computer, um, you know, with data constantly, all I did is move the computer. Um, So yes, I was impacted, but I feel like I was impacted somewhat minimally compared to people who had, you know, experiments in a laboratory, maybe a shared laboratory space that had to completely shut those down and lost um, a year, sometimes multiple years of research for that happening. Um, there were people that had livestock or plants out in the field that they weren't able to visit or they weren't able to visit as often as they would have. So uh, there was a significant impact on research. We, at least in at UFIFAS, we got that up and running as quickly as we could, as safely as we could. Um but I would say that there's still several people whose research was, you know, significantly impacted and may take a year or more to get back to where they were. Yeah, that's very saddening because I know that UF especially conducts so much research and I've heard many stories of how a lot of researchers have been impacted. But um, specifically with you and being a mother, how has that impacted impacted you? Yeah, so I, I I mentioned that really all I did is move the computer at home, but home isn't necessarily the quiet place that my office is. Um, you know, I have students stopping by, our colleagues stopping by, knocking on the door at the office. But, you know, with my daughter is in virtual school and my husband is at home trying to help with that. And now we're here with the dog who needs to be let out constantly to bark at the every car that drives by. I would say it's more distracting. You know, I feel like I don't have more than maybe 15 to 20 minutes to actually concentrate on something at any one time and then switching topics, trying to switch from work to run in and help with a homework problem and run right back to a meeting. Um, But uh, other than managing more distractions, I would say that's the that's the biggest thing for me. And, And our research has been able to go on, though. It's just turned into many late nights because of managing distractions. Yeah, I mean, even as a student, for me, I struggle so much with distractions, especially being home and with my family and my siblings. It's very challenging, but um, somehow I've managed to get through it. So I I think there's hope for everyone. Um, So as my final question, I know many Americans may be wondering, what does the economy look like in the future? Or at least what do you think it looks like within the food and agricultural systems? Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, I mentioned the supply chains didn't break. They just showed their inefficiencies. I think that, you know, the the way that supply and demand works, things evened out. They found a new equilibrium while things were shut down, and they'll continue to find a new equilibrium um, as things open back up. So I I think that with the vaccine available, um, with as we get closer and closer to something like herd immunity or knowing more about the virus so that we know how to um, deal with it in our daily lives, then we'll move back to something that looks closer to normal. So I'm, I'm not pessimistic about what the economy looks like, but I'm not, 
I'm also not quick to forecast what it looks like because our, our lives changed so significantly in a few months that I don't think the economy is going to go back to the structure that it had um, before. I think we're going to spend more time working at home, um, which means that we spend perhaps less money on things like office space or um, anything that we used while we were in that office space. You know, what does that look like overall? I think we're going to be fine, but people like me who study regional economic structure, right? So the the models that we use are based on a static view of what did the economy look like. And then we use that to forecast into the future, or we might use multiple years in the past to look at that. But what it looks like even this year, next year, three years from now, I don't think looks anything like what it looked like in the past. So it's really hard to say, you know, at a more detailed level than just... And I think we're on the right tra trajectory, um, exactly what's going to happen. I, I think in, in terms of the food and agriculture sector, you mentioned them um, specifically. It's it's not like here in Florida, they haven't dealt with um, disasters, things like hurricanes, major freeze events happening in the 1980s. They're, they're resilient. Um, you know, we'll, we'll find a way. Everybody's going to still need to eat food and people will be out there and happy to keep producing it. I just think we need to um, figure out how to get it to the consumers a little bit more efficiently or be able to be more flexible in getting it to the consumers when something like this happens in the future. I would definitely agree with you. And I think that's one of the benefits of living here in the United States and um, being able to conduct research and predict what's going to happen in the future. And I'm very thankful for that. So thank you again, Dr. Court, for meeting with me. I truly have appreciated this discussion that we were able to have. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And I truly look forward to hearing about your future research successes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Carissa. Thank you for listening to our State of the Scientific Enterprise during COVID-19 series on the Streaming Science Podcast. Make sure to follow and reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud. For more information about research at UF-IFAS, visit the link in the show notes. We would love to conduct more of these interviews and grow this series to include a variety of scientists' voices and perspectives. If you're interested in participating, please email us at streamingscience1 at gmail.com. Again, that's streamingscience1 at gmail.com. I'm your hostess, Carissa Palmer, and thanks for listening.